Hey everybody, in this week's episode of The Dudes, Alex and I discuss the Ip Man movies, and we also bring into it the Bruce Lee story, Dragon the Bruce Lee stories movies, and compare it a little bit to um, the actual history of uh, Bruce Lee and Ip Man, and uh, why it's the why these fictionalized accounts, and are they good for Kung Fu or bad for Kung Fu, and, and how people react to them. We had a lot of fun with the episode, we hope you guys like it too. And every day, I practice martial arts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of... Dudes of Kung Fu. All right, see, I got that one right to you, son of a bitch. How you doing? Hey, I didn't even say anything this time, and I still get this son of a bitch? What's up with that? Well, I was practicing. <laughs> I've been practicing for, like, the last 20 minutes. I'm like, all right, Season 3, Episode 11. Season 3, Episode 11. Don't wow. fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. That means that we only have one more episode and then we're actually done with this season. That's pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah, it really is. Can you believe it? It's been three seasons already? That's amazing. Who, who yeah. thought we keep on getting renewed like this? That's right. I know. Every time we're up for contract renegotiation, it's always very tense. You know what I mean? Uh, no, whether I, they're going to re-sign us, whether the, you know. I demanded, a, I demanded a new guitar pick and I got one. Wow, wow. Because, you know, we ask for everything. You know, this is, you know, <laughs> it's important. Well, and also, we, I think we hinted a little bit at it in the last episode that we have a lot of um, new things uh, for season four that we have planned and uh, updating the format of the uh, uh, podcast a little bit and doing a bunch of new things to kind of deliver more exciting content for our uh, our followers out there. So I'm looking really forward to that, and I think that's going to be uh, pretty incredible. How, how was your week, by the way? Oh yeah, not bad. Like I said, uh, my big my big thing, other than martial arts, is um, aside from my family and job and stuff, is guitar. And um, my guitar playing is is coming along. I'm learning new stuff, and I just dig like 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 in the martial arts. Like one day you can do something, like, and you just couldn't do it yesterday. I'm sure. like, you know, there's like fucking like just like super like scales. I'm just like playing a scale, and I could never play it before, and now I can just play it. And I'm like, how'd that happen? Like you know. And, so uh, when are you going to when are you going to play something for us on the podcast? You know what? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should you should like theme song to I don't know one of the Bruce Lee films or whatever on guitar and then just play it like one of the Enter the Dragon like the Lalo Schifrin songs which are pretty groovy you know like just I mean, learn like the Enter the Dragon theme on the guitar that'd be totally badass. <laughs> if anybody wants to hear me play guitar badly. Uh, on my YouTube channel, the same YouTube channel we're doing on this, actually, you can just, like, look for some videos. I have videos of me doing Hotel California, Take It Easy, things like that. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Wow. I got I to gotta get caught up on all on all things Sean that are out there. I, I'm totally I will send you stuff. a link because you and I are personal friends, or at least we pretend to be on this podcast. <laughs> so I will send you a link. But I know you won't watch it, but at least I'll send it to I'll you. I'll totally watch it. Yeah, people don't realize we're kind of like Siskel and Ebert. We don't get along at all outside of this podcast. Right, you, you, and, 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 and you're the fat one. Yeah, our our whole friendship here is just just a big sham for ratings. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last week's podcast was very interesting, where uh, we, we discussed the whole you know uh, Chinese MMA guy versus the Tai Chi, and there was a lot of yeah. interesting comments on that. Um, even on my uh, I, I don't know if it was my City Wing Chun page or my Facebook page, somebody had commented like. Why don't you go fight that Chinese MMA guy? <laughs> and I just liked the comments. I didn't answer it. I liked it or whatever because 
um, you know, of course, you never know with those kind of comments whether the person's just kind of kind of being tongue in cheek and making a joke, or sure. whether that person is like serious, because you have no idea what the you know what, what kind of the maturity level is of the people who just follow you randomly on social media. And um, I, I think it's interesting because, well, first of all, if it was a joke, that's pretty damn funny. Second of all, if it wasn't, I still think it's kind of strange because, well, after last week's episode, I, I think I'm kind of ambivalent on the whole situation. I mean, it was actually like we discussed a personal issue between yeah, uh, right. the MMA guy and the Tai Chi guy uh, more than him trying to call out Chinese martial arts as this kind of monolithic thing. And, um, and and second of all, I mean, I, I, I think that it might not be a bad thing for Chinese martial arts in general. So um, I, I thought the comment was kind of funny. Um, you know, what's interesting, after we did our podcast, because as uh, many of our listeners probably know, I write a regular column now for Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine called Kung Fu Genius. And it's just basically me talking about cultural things. I mean, I've only done one so far. I just submitted the second one. And I wrote it about this Chinese MMA thing. So I recapped a little bit about what we discussed in the podcast, but I, I went a little bit more um, into the, the line of uh, the bashing the whole Shaolin myth a little bit because there are mm. unfortunately a number of uh, Wing Chun people, modern Wing Chun people, yeah, <laughs> who still subscribe to this uh, pretty ridiculous fairy tale and they kind of conflate um, movie fiction with uh, stories and history and this, you know, phony northern Shaolin temple that you can visit in, in Henan in China and, and, and where Wing Chun came from. So I um, I do pretty thorough uh, investigation into that too. So I, I was I was pretty happy with it. Our podcast is basically the reason why I had that idea to write that. So I'm looking forward to it. As you know, I read Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. I think, I think I've said several times, I think it's the best martial arts magazine as far as, especially when it comes to Chinese, Chinese martial arts that I've ever read. I, I, sure. I love it. And... Um, one of well, one of my one of my life's goals. Are you choking over there? I hope. I hope. I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, for the for those who well, nobody would know. I didn't say it yet. Right before this podcast, <coughs> I had a pretty brutal cardio workout, and I'm also suffering from allergies. That was not a very good combination before the podcast. So if I'm coughing or hacking up a lung, I apologize. So, so <laughs> one of my life's goals is gonna. I want to have an article in that magazine one day, sure. and. Um, but I, I love that. I love I love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. It is it's just top shelf, man. It's just top shelf. And you being in it makes it that much better because you're a fucking great writer, dude. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I think well, it's also like you said, it's kind of the best <coughs> magazine on Chinese martial arts. Although it's specifically Wing Chun, but even if you look at like Inside Kung Fu in the, I mean, Inside Kung Fu magazine doesn't exist anymore. But if you look at it for like the last ten years, there was <coughs> hardly that many substantial articles about Kung Fu in that magazine. It was all a mix and <clears throat> there would even be articles of a lot of other martial arts. And not that I have a problem with that. Right. But I don't mind reading about jujitsu and karate and those things when I'm reading Black Belt. But when right. I'm reading Inside Kung Fu, I mm, wanted Kung to Fu. read about Kung Fu, right? And and it seemed that in the in its kind of final years, in its final throws, it, it, it lost that and that perhaps is part of its demise at the end. And although maybe it's somewhat off topic, the do you remember the martial arts magazine? You may not be old enough to remember this magazine called Kick Magazine. Uh, yeah, Kick. It, it, it was it wasn't as um, widespread as like Inside Kung Fu or Black Belt, but I, I do I do remember it. Like, it had this awesome column, monthly column in it, monthly feature where it would do like five styles against a roundhouse kick. Oh, really? And next month it would be like five styles against. 
a reverse punch and five styles against a rear naked choke and wow. and they would have like a like a Shotokan karate guy, a taekwondo guy, a kung fu guy, a jikun. Oh, Dan Asanto was in it every month. Wow, that's awesome. And it was awesome. I used to like devour that. I used to love that every month. I was like, and literally, I remember as, as a kid cutting out that section of the magazine to save wow. it. Wow. <laughs> That's really great. You know, it, it's it's kind of unfortunate because uh, it seems that the kind of heyday of print media in terms of martial art magazines and the modern influx of like MMA and kind of the modern martial arts scene, they just did not align. Because right. like, um, if you look at martial art magazines nowadays, I mean, Black Belt Magazine is still out there. It's still really good. My, my very good friend, Dr. Mark Cheng, is one of the uh, editors and he writes for them regularly. But it's not quite the same like it was 20, 30 years ago. They were a lot thicker back then. Sure. And if you and and I, I basically grew up on martial art magazines. I'm a yeah. kind of a, chi- a child of the '80s, and I didn't I didn't like to you know I wasn't into team sports. I was into martial arts, and I would buy every month. I would buy Inside Kung Fu, Black Belt magazine, and then whatever other third magazine might be around at that time. And I would just devour those things when I was a kid. It was. All, and I would read about Styles. I remember reading about the Gracies in the '80s in those mag. I had no idea what that was, but I would read about it, you know. Sure. And in in like the old Inside Kung Fu's, and I have ton- I have them all in storage now in boxes. I have all like I have hundreds of issues of these old magazines, but they had really in depth articles about different styles and how they worked and how they functioned and multi part interviews with famous sifus and and senseis and whatever. And, and now they're all like paper thin. Most of them are, are just kind of advertising books and videos and so on and so forth. And it would be really great given all the information that's out there on martial arts now and jiu-jitsu and all, and even more stuff we know about Wing Chun, if we still had magazines like we did back in the day at, that would now report on the things that were coming out now. And I think it, Wing Chun Illustrated is probably the closest thing we have to that. And you remember, they always had those same advertisements every every month, and yeah, yes. you know, the Asian world of martial arts always had the back cover, and um, yeah, that's right, that's right. It was just a, and and the best for me was I don't know if you remember the there was an, an advertisement, uh, Secrets of Invisible Kicks by Bill Shaw. Uh, I remember that, and then there was okay, also, so, there was so, also so, Speedman too. Right. Well, Bill Shaw it turns out was is a Steve Golden student for like thirty five years. No kidding. Absolutely true. And I remember the first time I'm like, just just chatting with Steve one day, and I talk about, oh, look at this guy here, Bill Shaw. Wait, Steve, it has an endorsement by you. And he goes, yeah, Sean, he's been training at the time. He's been training with me like 27 years now. I'm like, wow, holy wow. shit, you know? That's funny. Yeah, you could always rely. They had like, and, and it didn't matter if it was Black Belt, Inside Kung Fu, or whatever third magazine it's like karate, whatever. They were, they were like always. It was like a third and fourth magazine. They would kind of rotate out every now right. and again, but it was always the same ads: the Asian World ads, the Century ads, right, so right, right. The ad for um, BLT in Chinatown, especially uh-huh. Kung Fu magazines. And yeah, I really miss that. That kind of you know re- reminds me of, of my childhood. And sometimes I'll, I'll pick up those old magazines and, and read them. They're just really, really fascinating. And, and I really kind of miss that time when print media was was still king. In, uh, yeah, uh, of course it's cool we can get everything online, but there's just something about having a magazine in your hand, you know. And you know, um, there's a uh, you know who Stan Lee is, right? Yes. Okay, so Stan Lee, they asked Stan Lee once about um, comic books. What he thought about digital comic books, and he said comic books are much like women's breasts. 
He likes to look at them online, but there's nothing like holding one in your hand. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? <laughs> I thought so, that was awesome coming from like a 95-year-old man. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you something very weird that happened to me today? You touched uh, a woman's breast. Uh, no, no, that'll never okay. happen. Right. Uh, <laughs> I've been married now for a million years. I've right, exactly. <laughs> My life is over. Um, <laughs> uh, so this morning I get a, a phone call. Uh, from my good friend Bay Logan. Uh, Bay Logan is a Hong Kong film producer and Hong Kong film uh, expert, and uh, one of my close friends, and, and uh, really very, very interesting, very interesting guy. He calls me, and uh, I have to admit, I might have been on the toilet when he called me. All right, so, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I'm on my phone. He calls me. I'm like, "Hey, Bay, how are you doing?" And he tells me, and he he, he has a British accent, but I'm not going. To, I'm not going to do the British accent because that's not my that's not my shtick. He goes, Alex. I'm here with Steven Seagal Sensei, and I was telling him that you are, um, you know, uh, not only uh, an expert at Wing Chun, but you're kind of an expert at all things about Wing Chun, and you know a lot about the history and this, that, and the other thing. And and then he puts the he, he like uh, kind of holds the phone to Steven Seagal, and Steven Seagal's like, you know, hello Alex, how are you doing? And I'm like, you have to realize I'm I'm totally caught off guard. I have no idea. He didn't. Tell me he was hanging out with Steven Seagal in Thailand, right? And he just called me, right? And I'm like, oh, hello, uh, greetings from New York. Like, I just didn't know what to say because I was totally blindsided, right? And so, uh, and and then Bay gets back on the phone and and Bay's like, "Um, well, Seagal Sensei was in Kazakhstan two years ago and he saw a Wing Chun demonstration from a Sifu who is from Hong Kong. And um, and he said that that guy was very skillful, and Steven Seagal was very impressed. And apparently, from the conversation that with that very brief conversation with Bay uh, this morning, I, I got the impression that Steven Seagal really likes Wing Chun. He actually thinks Wing Chun is really interesting, and he has respect for the guys that he believes have good skill in Wing Chun. I'm so, not doing Wing Chun in spite of that. <laughs> so he took a photo with this Sifu who gave a demonstration. This, gave some awesome demonstration, right? A Sifu from Hong Kong. But he lost the photo and he doesn't remember the guy's name. So Bay calls me, he's like, do you know who that might have been? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, because this is good, you know. And of course, um, uh, one of my friends, Sifu Donald Mack, um, he was also on the cover of Wing Chun Illustrated um, in the last issue, I think. Um, he teaches in Hong Kong, but I know that he has a school in Kazakhstan. So I was oh. like, well, maybe, maybe it was Donald Mack. And um, and they looked at the photo. They're like, no, it's not him. And I'm like, mm, was it maybe Kong Ji Kang? And and I showed them, but no, it's not him. And I'm like, well, those are the only guys who seem to have some kind of schools or have taught seminars there. I, I really don't know. And then we eventually uh, they figured out who it was. And then it was actually one of Wong Sun Lung's students who just came to Kazakhstan to do a demo, but didn't have a school there. But apparently, this guy impressed the hell out of uh, wow. So anyway, then at the end of the phone call, I was like, all right, well great talking to you and then I hung up and I'm like I just talked to Steven Seagal while I was on the toilet it was extremely bizarre and it is again one of those moments in my life where I go like wow I have a very strange life and job indeed like this is just like you know this is just Thursday for me you know it's like that's awesome. ridiculous. so anyway I thought it was kind of funny <laughs> that's pretty damn cool man that's pretty damn cool I so, uh, you, you you know all the superstars well, I don't know all the superstars, but I'm, I'm, I'm chipping away at the list slowly. You know, uh, it, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, I, I have to be, you know, I have to say that um, very thankful for, for what Wing Chun has given me in terms of opportunities in my life. 
Uh, I mean, certainly if it, if it were not for, you know, Sifu Ting's extreme, uh, you, you know, going out there and promoting Wing Chun in the 70s and building a huge empire in Europe, which, you know, spawned the castle that I went to, and had they not done these things, and, and you know, I wouldn't have been able to learn it the way I did, and, and I wouldn't have all these opportunities. I mean, you know, every time I'm hanging out in Hong Kong and I meet Law Mong from Five Deadly Venoms, or I meet this guy, that guy, whatever. I mean, I have Wing Chun to thank for that. Wing Chun has given me so many right. opportunities in my life, and and it's funny because it's not it's not even like a person. It's it's, it's this uh, cultural thing. It's very difficult to, to describe, it and but I'm extremely thankful for what Wing Chun has given me in my life. It's That's really awesome. Fun. That's yeah, and it's given you probably more than you even realize. I mean, it's given you. Uh... It's given you substance. It's given you, it's it's given you your confidence. It's given right. you, you know, you you've gotten confidence to do things. I'm sure, you know, as the direct result of your training. You know, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I, I know for me, like, I I've stepped up to do things where I know I didn't have, I wasn't sure about, but I know I got the confidence from doing what I do. You know, whether it's right. Jeet Kune Do or Wing Chun, and. Um, I, uh, yeah. I, I I owe a lot to you know when I, when I think about like myself with Steve Golden you know there was um, it, it I remember the time it hit me I was doing chi sao with Steve Golden and I was getting hit <laughs> and I remember taking a step back and later on thinking to myself I'm doing chi sao with a guy who did chi sao with Bruce Lee that's right it's like the two degrees of separation type thing you know right? what I mean? like think about it. like that's kind of nuts you know I'm doing chi sao with a guy who did chi sao with Bruce Lee right. Who did Chi Sao with Yip Man? Like right. you know, yes. like that's yeah. that's pretty damn cool, you know. And the fact that he's an incredibly nice guy and all that other stuff had as just an aside. Just sure. the fact that I mean, Bruce Lee, who arguably could be you know the most popular martial arts actor of all time, up there with Jackie Chan and whoever. Um, sure. You know, like I'm doing Chi Sao with a guy who did Chi Sao with him, and that just. Uh, that, that always that always struck me as odd, you know. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, well, it's kind of funny, like you said about um, about Mark, you know, somebody who did, you know, cheese out with one of the most famous. I mean, well, that Bruce Lee's for sure the most famous kung fu movie star ever. But uh, it also reminds me of something that Bay Logan said uh, when we did a presentation at the Museum of the Moving Image two years ago. He goes, "When it comes to films in Hong Kong, it's kind of like the Beatles. With music, you have the time." For the Beatles and the time after the Beatles, and when it comes to kung fu films in Hong Kong, you have the time before Bruce Lee, and you have the time after. Bruce Lee. Right, true, true, and, true. And I just thought that one hundred percent, absolutely correct, because that you know he changed so much. It's really, really unbelievable. And speaking of that, that kind of brings us to tonight's topic, which is actually about the uh, famous IP man films, which have drawn a lot of uh, attention to our martial art. Uh, they brought a lot of you know, new students and new blood into various Wing Chun schools throughout the world, and they've also helped to elevate the status and name of Wing Chun in the general martial arts scene. And you, you uh, mean the doc? Also, you mean you talk about the documentary starring Donnie Yen, right? <laughs> yes, I'm talking about that three-part documentary, soon to be four-part documentary, uh, chronicling every brutal detail in in the life of uh, Grandmaster Yip Man. So, um, you know, we thought we would maybe just have a more lighthearted discussion tonight about um you know kind of about these films their impact on on the wing chun scene and and kind of you know how these things fit into um the scope of what we do which is hopefully somewhat realistic and these films are certainly 
definitely on the fictional side. So, uh, you know, should, should be interesting to discuss that. Now, have you seen all the Yip Man, I should say, IP Man movies? I have not. Uh, I have which seen... Which ones have you seen? Did you see the first one? I saw the first one, and I saw the second one. I did not see the one with Mike Tyson. Okay. Not um, missing much. <laughs> well, and then, you know what? I think that's why I didn't see it. There's so uh-huh. much good stuff on TV, and when I have TV time, every time I say, oh, I'm going to watch this one with Mike Tyson, people pops into my head, oh, people always say it sucked. And, yes. You know, or it's not as good as the first one. Right. And, sure, sure, sure. And I always say, nah, you know what? I'll watch this instead, you know? I'll watch it. Did, uh, um, did you see Yip Man, The Final Fight? Which one is that? That one is the one that stars uh, Anthony Wong, and uh, and he has the hat. Uh, the one that has the one where it. um, Yes, I did see that one. Oh, because also in Grandmasters, Tony Leung plays Yip Man, and and he wears a hat too. So I don't want to get the. Which one? Which one are you talking? Which one are you talking about? Yip Man Final Fight is is basically has Anthony Wong and uh, he, he. well, it's kind of hard to differentiate. It basically starts with him in Hong- coming to Hong Kong at the very beginning and starting out. And yep, I saw that one. one. Yeah, and that that one, in my opinion, is actually the best of all of that. Them. That was actually a very good movie. That yes. was a very good movie. Yes. And 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 I think the reason why Yip Man: The Final Fight is, and and I'm not the only one um, who thinks that. Even my uh, good friend Rick Myers, who's a Hong Kong film expert as well, um, he also believes uh, that Yip Man: Final Fight is is kind of the best one of the series because. It's it's the best written. It's not the best as an action movie. I mean, certainly if you want to, right? If you want to say which is the best action movie, Yip Man is definitely Yip Man One. I think there's nothing more hard hitting than Yip Man One. I mean, when he takes on the ten karate black belts, I mean that scene is like brutal, right? Yeah, um, right. That was as, awesome. As, as unrealistic as it is, but it was a, a, a pretty amazing fight scene. And Sammo Hung's choreography is, is amazing. But I think in terms of the story which is something that the Hong Kong filmmakers don't always invest a lot of time in. Um, Yip Man Final Fight has the best story, and it also happens to be the most accurate of all of the Yip Man films for whatever that is worth in terms of holding true to to his story. Um, What do you think about, I mean, obviously when they make films, they need to make money, so the films need to be entertaining. But of course, some purists, you know, might want a story that's also somewhat accurate. So... What do you feel when they take creative license with somebody who really existed? For example, like in Dragon, the Bruce Lee story was kind of the same thing. I mean, does that bother you? Do you just say, okay, it well, it's bothers me. It, it bothers me it, when they portray it as something that it's not. So if they would have said a fictionalized version of Bruce Lee's life, I have no problem with it. Make the demons, right. make them fly, make them do whatever the fuck you want. But if right. you portray it as an accurate portrayal of his life, at least try and stay somewhat real. You know, the, the Bruce Lee, the Dragon was, although a fun movie to watch, right. was ridiculous when you compare it to Bruce Lee's timeline. There were sure. so many inaccuracies and flat-out lies that were, you know, it, it was just it was beyond belief. You know, I thought Jason Scott Lee did well yeah. in that movie. I think, you know. As, as good as he can do, I mean, he's an actor who's who's reading a script, and I mean, other people are telling him what to do. And right. I well, think, you know what? Yeah. Actually, now he 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 eventually went on to uh, receive rank from Jerry Petit. That's right. I remember reading about that in the movie. Yeah, you know, he. Um, but still, an actor that you know, Jeet Kune Do is not his first craft. It's, right. Uh, acting is his first craft, and uh, so I, I think he did really well. Um, and I, I thought the movie was fun to watch, but the whole. 
story was just complete utter bullshit. Sure. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and it was just fantasy, and that yeah. that bothered me a little bit. You know, I would have yeah, liked I, to have seen more of an accurate representation of Bruce Lee. Sure. Because his life was exciting as it is. Right. I, I think that's a, that's kind of the disappointing thing, both with uh, Yip Man and with uh, the various portrayals of Bruce Lee, is. In the example of Bruce Lee, I mean, Bruce Lee's real-life story is unbelievably compelling. Right. When, when you consider, like, by the time he came to the States at 18, he had already been a movie star in Hong Kong. He had already learned Wing Chun. He had already, you know, gone on the wrong side of the tracks. He had already done, done all sorts of things. Like, by the time he was 18, that most people don't accomplish in their entire lifetime. Then he comes to the States as a foreigner and, and starts teaching and develops. It becomes a star in a country that doesn't even accept Asian actors. I mean, I mean, like right. it's, it's, it's and, and in the in the landscape of the '60s, it's really unbelievable. And yet they have to create these kind of bullshit stories, like him breaking his back, like like Wong Jack Man punching, you know, kicking him in the back or something like that. And, and, and him writing the Tao Ji Kundo in his bed. It's just like right, right, right. Just such and, utter bullshit. And then the whole fight scene at the end with the while filming that movie with the oh, it's just ridiculous. It was right, just, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and I, I think that um, while certainly, you know, Hollywood, they're, they're jo the job of these films is to make money. Right. And, and, and certainly, you know, you, you can't really fault them for taking some creative license and things like that. And I think as, as martial artists and as purists, um, I think we always have to kind of understand that. You know, I, I right. think probably, um, I would imagine comic book people have the same problem. Like people who are really super hardcore into the Avengers or, or sure. uh, Iron Man or whatever, like, they probably look at a bunch of stuff and go like, wait, that doesn't jibe with the comic book. That doesn't make sense. This is totally wrong. But someone like me, like I don't follow comic books. I watched the movie, The Avengers, and I think it's great. So right. like kind of your, your level of appreciation, I think also depends on your level of uh, commitment to that particular thing. And I think when you have people who are really hardcore into Wing Chun and JKD or whatever, any kind of portrayal of Bruce Lee or Yip Man or whatever is already going to be very hypercritical. Now, I say that, but even that statement is not entirely true. There are a bunch of Wing Chun people that every time a Yip Man movie comes out, they're like, oh my God, yes, Yip Man 8, whatever, it's the most amazing thing. Oh my God, you gotta win, showing all these clips and stuff. And they think like, it's like they have almost no critical faculties and just the fact that there's another IP Man movie, they go crazy. In fact, there's even a school, I think out on the West Coast, that uses the Donnie Yen Yip Man like silhouette as the logo for his Wing Chun school. And then I just, I just go like, it's ridiculous. Uh, first of all, I mean, like, I don't but know again, how many, it's all about the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know the average person that's not in, into, I mean, look, I also have a, a, a Kung Fu business, right? If you already know what Wing Chun is and you know what IP man is, I don't think you need to use Donnie Yen. Right. And if you don't know that stuff, you're not going to recognize Donnie Yen's image. Now for me, my issue is that, you purport to teach real Wing Chun, and you have an image of an actor playing our Grandmaster as the logo for your school, and that right. just seems kind of, I don't know, it just it just seems, I don't know, it just seems fake, for lack of a better term. And I, and, and I just, I mean, it's not my school, it's not my association or whatever, I don't really care, but I just find that that's also a strange byproduct. It's like, for everyone that's like you or me, like kind of not satisfied with these films or whatever. There are a bunch of so-called people in our art that think that just the fact that there's a film is the greatest thing in the world. And, you know, they can make Yip Man 8 and Donnie Yen is fighting, you know, uh, uh, 
Jim Carrey or whatever as, you know, a Charlie <laughs> Footmaster, and they're going to go like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. You know what I mean? And, and so... Well, I think um, so many of them see it as a marketing, even if they won't admit it. It's 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 free advertising for them. You know what I mean? They they know that the the it man movie comes out, and they know that you're gonna have a whole bunch of people come in and sign up for lessons that they're never gonna come back. It's right. like there's gyms that their business model is based on people signing up and never coming back. Mm-hmm. I once had a a, um, a gym owner tell me, and this was a regular fitness type gym as opposed to a martial arts school, that he's in the he's in the business of signing up new members, and praying three quarters of them never come back he said the day that all of his members show up he's fucked because he doesn't have enough equipment for one eighth of them right and the fire department will shut you down right <laughs> yeah absolutely um, and i think when they, they these these martial arts school owners see uh another bruce lee movie come out or another yet movie come out it's all about the marketing i mean look at look at black belt magazine again a, a, an absolutely great magazine but I think, you know, once or twice a year when they run out of stories, they run Bruce Lee on the cover with, you know, the secret kicks of Bruce Lee or some other fucking bullshit. Sure. You know, you know, I mean, and it's just like, why? Because the average martial arts guy says, oh, Bruce Lee's on the cover. And he picks up the magazine and he buys it. Right. And it's, right. it's just, it's marketing 101. It's like one day you're going to hang up a picture of me on your front door. I know it. Why? <laughs> why? It's happened. fucking it's marketing, babe, you know. Yeah, and, and I think what's, what's also interesting is... Um, uh, the types of creative licenses that they've taken with the story are very, very interesting. Um, so, for example, Yip Man 1, okay? So, Yip Man 1, which is arguably the best of the trilogy, um, it, it has one glaring historical inaccuracy in it. Uh, and, the Japanese? And that is the Japanese. <laughs> and, and, and certainly, Grandmaster Yip Man had some uh, issues with the Japanese, and I've even read in David Peterson's book that uh, when Yip Man was a little bit younger, he actually went to Japan, I think with his brother or something like that, who had a business and had some issues in Japan and had to leave or whatever. So I mean, certainly, you know, they weren't happy about Japan. I mean, that's also based on Chinese China's history with Japan. But the reason why Yip Man left China had nothing to do with the Japanese because the Japanese occupation, that was in the early 40s. Yip Man left China in 1949. Okay, and the reason he left was because of the communist Chinese, not because of the Japanese. But the problem is you can't put that in a film because the Chinese censor boards won't allow you to put something like that because they consider it subversive and the film would not get distribution to China, which is their main market. Right. So, you know, what what do you think about those kind of things that kind of, you know, when politics then interferes? You know, again, I I get it. It's, it's, It's absolutely a bottom line decision and I understand why they did it. But they cannot, they have to put, they should, in my opinion, put a disclaimer saying that this is a fictionalized story of Grandmaster Yipman. I had heard, I mean, and I don't know how true it is, you would know much better than I, that more than a few stories, even from Yipman 1, Yipman 1, were really stories of, I'm going to fuck up the name, I mean, don't disrespect bias, um, Yun Kaysan? Yun um, Yun Kaysan, yeah. I had heard, at least someone told me that a few of the stories from it, from the It Man series are actually stories that happened with Yun Kaysan. Uh-huh. And um, I, again, I don't know how true it is, but that, that would bother me on two levels. That would bother sure. me, one, for the descendants of, of that lineage. Right. And two, Yip Man himself lived an interesting life. 
Yes. You know what I mean? If you're going to make an intro, if you're going to make a story of, of you're going to make the Sean Madigan life story, well, you got to jazz it up with a bunch of bullshit because I haven't done that much. But, you know, if you're going to make a story of people that have done shit, go into greater detail about how they did it. Right. You can make that exciting. Sure. You sure. don't need to invent it. Now, again, the, the thing with the Japanese, I really feel like they had to do that because of, of, of the marketing. They wouldn't be able to market the movie in Japan, in, yes. in China. Right. And that's their biggest market for these films is China. Right. Which, so I, I get that. Right. Which which actually explains Yip Man 2. Did you, you, saw, you said you saw Yip Man 2, right? Yes, I did. Now, for me, Yip Man 2 is the biggest pile of dog shit ever in, in any of the canonical Yip Man films. And I say that and so many people love that movie, and I just go, that movie is effing terrible. It's poorly written. It's poorly acted. The fight scenes took a tremendous um, downgrade when you compare them to the fight scenes in the first film. Right. And, um, and, and there's, there's a very solid reason for that. So when they made the first Yip Man movie, so you know that, um, well, you, you may not know the names of different Hong Kong directors, but there's a very famous director named Wong Kar Wai. Now, Wong Kar Wai is kind of Hong Kong's resident art house director, and he makes a lot of very interesting, very artsy films. But Wong Kar Wai is actually known for taking a very long time for making movies. Okay. So he might take like a couple years to do one movie because he's not like the other Hong Kong directors who just pump movies out. I mean, most Hong Kong films are pumped out very quickly, which you can usually tell when you watch them. Right, sure. But Wong Kar Wai likes to put a lot of um, thought into his films, and, and they're well-written, and they're beautifully shot. If you've ever seen any of them, um, I'd, I'd recommend uh, the film Happy Together um, or... Um, uh, 2046 in the mood for love those are like really amazing movies and he never made a martial arts movie before but he wanted to like in the early 2000s make a movie about Gip Man and uh, he decided to do and it was all in the press and, and everything like that but he got bogged down in other projects and eventually Donnie Yen and Sammo Hung decided that they were going to make the Yip Man movie and they made theirs in 2008 and Wong Kar Wai had still not made his although he announced that he was going to make it Right. So what ended up happening is Wong Kar Wai got really pissed because uh, Donnie and Sammo took his title. The The title that they took for the film was which means the kind of like the grandmaster or grandmaster of a generation, right? And uh, that was the original title of uh, the Donnie Yen film. But then Wong Kar Wai got pissed off and threatened to sue them, and then they changed the title to Yip Man. And right. uh, later when Wong Kar Wai finished his film, which is known as the Grandmasters, um, he, he retained that title. Hey, Sean, can you give me a moment? I just go, I need to go buzz somebody in. Hold on a second. Sure. All right, hold on. I'm not going to cut this out of the out of the podcast because I want this to show how unprepared Alex was for this podcast. He's going to come back and say, oh, by the way, we're going to cut this out. And I'm going to say, you know what? No, I'm going to tell him I'm going to do it, but I'm not actually going to. Now, what are you, <laughs> you talking about editing that out? <laughs> I said I just I was just telling the folks that I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna edit that out, but I'm not. You never do. I, I just as a punishment time. to you. Punishment to me for not being prepared. What do you mean not prepared? Listen, <laughs> you made me leave in the fucking phone call rant I threw that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. So so basically. Um, Sammo and Donnie decided to finally make that Yip Man movie and, you know, forget Wong Kar Wai. If he's not going to make the movie, they were going to do it. And they made it as a labor of love because Donnie Yen is a huge Bruce Lee fan. And um, Bruce Lee was always difficult. And part of the reasons why there's so many Yip Man movies now is because 
Bruce Lee, as you know, is it's very he, he is the he is the hot topic even now that people want to make movies and stuff about. The problem is is securing the the legal rights from the Lee estate because they're extremely litigious, and they will uh, apparently um, Shannon Lee will only sign off on something if it's absolutely effing terrible, and then she'll sign off on it. But if people want to do like legit projects about her father or whatever that that you know accurately right. represent him or whatever, she will she will say no, but she will you know to you know sign on for some kind of nonsense biopic like she just did or whatever. So anyway, so that's the reason why they said, okay, well, if we can't do Bruce Lee, then we'll do Bruce Lee's teacher because they don't have all the copyright oh, issues. Right, that. And that's right, part right. of the reason why um, they've done that. And also, if you if you know anything about Hong Kong films, the, the grand poobah, the guy that they've made the most films about was a master named Wong Feihong. Wong Feihong was like the most famous Hungar master. And there are like hundreds of films made about Wong Feihong. So that Wong Feihong lemon has kind of been squeezed dry sure. over the last 40 years and and so they, they've kind of done a bunch of other people Lam Sai Wing and Hong Sai Yuk and all these other guys but they're always kind of looking for where's another Chinese hero and it just so happened that Yip Man it took them a while before they got around to Yip Man and Yip Man was a huge hit so when the Donnie Yen Samo Hung Yip Man 1 came out and it was a huge hit they were surprised because they had no idea it was going to be a hit and that was the reason that they decided to make the second movie relatively quickly. Great, yeah. And the, so if you imagine, Yip Man 1 was a labor of love. They wrote it, they choreographed it, they put a heart and soul into it. And Yip Man 2 was made solely to cash out on, uh, on the mainland Chinese market because they knew that they had a hit on their hands. And, if, and, and I don't mean to disparage the Chinese. But, but I'm about to anyway because I'm uh, I've been watching these films forever. Um, mainland Chinese audiences are not always as sophisticated as even Hong Kong audiences when it comes to watching film. I'm not saying about in any other pursuit. Okay, let's just we will keep it strictly to what their tastes are in film. And while certainly in America there are there's a formula to having a big hit. You know what I mean? I mean, sure. Hollywood is pumping out formulaic films all the time. Um, but the China formula is very, very simple, especially when it comes to martial arts. If you basically just make a Chinese hero and at some point he defeats a Westerner, all right, uh, and, and rises from the ashes and makes the Chinese people proud, any variation of that film will be a hit in China for the next 80 years for sure. Just like we just like we were talking about on last week's podcast, how they have all these sham fights between Chinese martial artists and these fake Japanese martial artists right, on right, Chinese right. TV. Well, that same exact formula, if you put it in film, is, is also a hit. And when you look at Yip Man 2, that's what they had with, uh, um, you know, the Western fighter, uh, uh, his character uh, was uh, Twister in that film. And... and um, you know he uh, and that actor and his name escapes me at this moment. He actually passed away about a year or two ago. It's really, really unfortunate. Um, uh, you know, Yip Man comes to Hong Kong, and then you know there's this big evil Westerner who beats up all the Chinese guys, and then Yip Man steps up and goes into the ring and beats this guy up. And that's that was a formula film for mainland China. The right. first one wasn't. It just happened to be a hit in China because it was a good movie. The second one was them just cashing in on their chips. And the third one was exactly the same. What they did in the third one is known in the entertainment industry as stunt casting. And that was Mike Tyson. Right. All right, because Mike Tyson 
oddly enough, has a huge following in China. They love him. They think he's great. <laughs> so putting him in there was was kind of a no-brainer. And, and he basically just has a cameo role in a couple scenes in there, and that's it. Um, right. He's not even actually the main villain in that film, although it always seems that way from the trailers. Um, but yeah, that was it. I mean, so two and three were basically just made solely to cash out on the mainland Chinese audience, and that's where you have this massive degradation in terms of story and and resources and stuff. And also the problem with Yip Man 3 is Donnie's salary was so high because he had become such a big star that a majority of the budget actually goes to Donnie's salary. And then they obviously have to cut corners elsewhere in terms of production values and things like that and script. I mean, if you, if, if you understand uh, Cantonese, there's a... Uh, uh, well, I don't. There, there, there's, a, there's a line like, Patsang Messi. Patsang means like what happened, right? Patsang is like a thing, and Messi like what? And the and and the phrase what happened? Patsang Messi, like it, literally you hear it like eighty times in Yip Man Three, and it's like who the hell wrote this shit? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because especially as as a student of Cantonese, I'm like I I'm trying to hear Cantonese so I can like, improve my Cantonese, right. and I'm like. I keep hearing the same phrase. Oh, right. that's just really shitty dialogue writing. And and the funny thing is the bad Wing Chun guy uh, in Yip Man 3 who's played by Max Zhao, who now they're going to have a spin-off movie based just on him. His Wing Chun looked way better than Yip, than Donnie Yen's in Yip Man 3. Like, he actually looked like he was doing more or- orthodox Yip Man Wing Chun than Donnie Yen's character was in Yip Man 3. It was embarrassing. And the knife fight, like the Pacham Do and the long pole at the end was just atrocious. It had very little to do with Wing Chun, and it doesn't, didn't even look that spectacular. So, so here's um, a question for you. Yes. And I'll, 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 did you ever look at any of these Kung Fu movies, Yip Man or any of the other ones? Sit there and just say to yourself, well, hey, you know what? I never thought of that. That's a, like, just in the choreography of the fight mm-hmm. scene. Sit there and say, you know, I never thought of it, and... Of that part in the form being used that way? Um, yeah, I, I mean, sometimes... I will own up to that. I have. And uh-huh. it, it happened in, 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 in the it, uh, IP movie, It Man 1. I remember uh-huh. there was the scene. I'm not even going to say which one, because people are going to shit on me enough as it is for this. <laughs> and I remember seeing a movement that he did from Buji, uh-huh. which at the time I was in the midst of learning. So, of course, my eye picked up on it because, like, I'm literally learning Fuji as I'm watching this movie, right? And I said, holy shit. I never even thought, like, that's a way you could use that in a fight. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, and I, I literally started, like, thinking about it. And I'm saying to myself, well, I can't tell anybody ever that I came up with this shit from watching the Hitman movie, right? <laughs> but, but, but it, you know what? It's the truth. I'm not going to lie. There was a movement in, in one of the Yip Man movies, and it was it was Yip Man one, where he does something from from Buji, and I just said to myself, "Shit, I never thought of that." <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. I mean, they, they do have some like Wing Chun consultants. Like uh, I, I don't quite remember who the consultant was for the first one. I know that uh, Yip Man's son Yip Chun had had something to do, but I think he was more a consultant in terms of like the talking story. about. Yeah, also, like, you know, what his father was like and giving those kind of notes and things like that. Um, I forget who the Wing Chun consultant was on the first one, but on the second one, it was uh, Cliff Aoyang, who's a Wong Chun Leung guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, they've had a bunch of different ones. So, I mean, you, you have, like, legit Wing Chun guys uh, doing consulting on those things. Now, of course, Sammo Hung is basically the uh, 
he's got the final say because Sammo Hung is the choreographer, so he's gonna look at that stuff and see what will actually look good on camera. Right. So he could yay or nay, whatever the hell the Wing Chun, like the Wing Chun could still say, no, no, um, you know, it, the, the beauty should be done this way or the Bong should be done this way and Sammo might go, yeah, but that looks like shit on camera. So it, it then becomes this, so then, it, you know. Yeah, um, of course. That, that's why, you know, those things are obviously optimized for, uh, for show effect or whatever. Um, you, you know that uh, Yip Man, uh, sorry, Yip Man, that Donnie Yen has actually signed to do Yip Man 4, right? You heard the news, right? I did not hear that, no. Yeah, so he signed on, um, which is very ominous because um, the number four, do you know the number four in Cantonese? Yes, yes. All right, yes. what is it? Mother of Jesus. Uh, it, it, it's the same word for death, I know that. Well, it's not the same word for death. It sounds like sounds like the word like for death, right? sounds like the say, word. For death. Say is the number four. So the say. difference between four and death is so four is a level tone. So you say like say, and to die is say. It's a rising tone, right? But right. even even though they're two different tones, but the pronunciation is close enough that essentially the number four is a bad luck number in Chinese. Right. So the you know the number four is their version of you know like thirteen, 13. is for us. Yeah. Right? So um so it's kind of strange. To actually say Yip Man, say Yip Man Four, because yeah. it almost sounds like Yip Man dies. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Yip Man Three finishes at um, uh, about 1962, according to what the subtitles say at the end of that film. So that means that they still have about 10 years more of story to tell in mm -hmm. Yip Man. So whether they're going to do that all in Yip Man Four, or they're also going to have five, uh, I mean, there's, there's still essentially 10 more years left of the story. So. <laughs> Um, it's interesting because the film is also called Yip Man Say, whether that is also kind of some kind of homophone for Yip Man passing away and dying yeah. and whether this is going to be kind of the end there. Um, I heard that they have signed Jackie Chan for this one. So the the stunt casting is going to be Jackie Chan. Is Jackie Chan going to be a bad guy? I don't think he's a very convincing bad guy. Right, um, right, right. So I'm very curious what, what Jackie Chan's role is going to be in that, if, if those uh, reports are even true. Uh, so... Um, should be uh, should be should be quite interesting. I, I think that they uh, they also had a Yip Man TV series on TVB, um, you know, like a like a long form like a soap opera format, like a twenty four cool. or thirty six one or whatever. I mean, these things are all great for business or whatever. Um, right. Well, what's kind of nice about them is they bring people in the door, and once they're in the door, then you can tell them what the real story is, and then they go like, oh, okay, so this didn't happen, this happened, so on and so forth. Um, and 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 so definitely that allows us to have an audience uh, that we wouldn't otherwise have. So I'm, I'm definitely grateful for those films and, and uh, looking forward to them making uh, more of them in the future. Right, sure, sure. Hey, Sean, I gotta get the door again. <laughs> You're effing killing me. <laughs> Sorry. This guy is killing me. It's amazing. It's like with the money, he's, you know, Alex is basically rich. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't tell you this. But he drives around in a Lamborghini in New York City, which is ridiculous. He lives in a mansion. He can't afford a doorman. It's, it's really scary. But again, he's going to ask me to delete this, and I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to delete this. Of course I'll delete this, Alex. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. You know what it is? Uh, normally, uh, our audience probably doesn't know, we normally record these podcasts on Friday. And on Friday, I, I generally don't have any classes here besides maybe some private students upstairs or a fight class uh we're recording this week's podcast on a thursday which is like a one of the main nights we have here at city wing chun i have two floors and the main class is upstairs uh normally my wife carol she's here at the front desk but both of our kids are six years at home 
So I'm kind of manning the front, but I also need to do this podcast. So all of those all of those people who are buzzing in, those are actually all people who are late for class because the oh. class started like an hour ago. And then they're like annoyingly buzzing and it's like, you're almost an hour late. You know what I mean? So for me, it's kind of like... Um, give I, me their names. <laughs> I will give you their names because I, I have in front of me, for those people who watch us on the video here, in front of me, I have a surveillance system of my entire school so i see the classes upstairs i see uh you know i have like the entire thing on lockdown so i can see these people coming up and i am taking notes and they're going to have to answer to sean at some point <laughs> absolutely i even know when at your at your party that's right at the banquet yes at the banquet i'm gonna be yeah. fucking kicking ass and taking names so um actually uh that kind of segues into something if if you'll allow me to to, to be a bit uh to promote something a little bit. No, God forbid uh, I let Alex not promote something. Are you kidding me? (laughs) The the, the most dangerous place on this earth is between Alex and a camera. (laughs) (laughs) That's not entirely true, just mostly true. Uh, So, so, um, as I mentioned on previous podcasts, this year is actually the 15-year anniversary of uh, City Wing Chun, of my school. And I'm having my yearly, you know, week-long training camp where people come from all over the place to come and train with me. But I'm also going to be having a, uh, a special banquet. That banquet is going to be on June 24th. It's going to be in New York City, in Chinatown. And um, it starts, it's going to go from like 6 to 10 or whatever. And it's a Chinese-style banquet, so it's like a 12-course Chinese meal that comes out. And uh, we're going to have some demonstrations. Some of my good friends in the martial arts are going to demonstrate some other styles. Uh, there the, might be some Wing Chun demonstrations, things like that. Give some, I'll give some awards to some of my long-term students it's basically going to be a party and you know we want people to come and uh but of course it's since we have a lot of people coming we have a lot of guests and kung fu friends and family and so on if anybody wants to come to the banquet uh they're more than welcome to we actually have a link for it on our um on on my online shop which is wt-athletics.com and uh if you're interested in coming to the banquet you're going to be in new york on june 24th on a uh you know in the evening uh, we'd love to have you come. You do need to register in advance. There's a banquet ticket fee uh, for that. All of that stuff's online. Sean is going to be there. So, you know, for our fans who are in the New York area, if you want to meet the dudes, um, that's definitely uh, w- one of the times you guys can see both of us together um, at, at an event that just also happens to be uh, kind of a big uh, moment for my school. And, and so we'd love to see you guys there. You just need to make sure you register. Don't show up at the door and be like, I want to come. Because since it's a banquet, we need to tell them like a week in advance how many tables we need. So please don't show up the day of and think you're going to make it in there. Or I will have Sean personally boot you out of there. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he has me coming. That's right. Because, yeah, you're security. (laughs) You're going to be at at the door with with one of your your, your weapons from your childhood, some chukka sticks or something. Oh, there you go. I have a Karasugama. With yeah, the, <laughs> the, the chain the, on the bottom with the yeah, weight. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Swinging it ominously like this. Did you do you have a banquet ticket? And when they say no, you just crack them on. <laughs> did, did you ever see you ever see that movie UHF with Weird Al Yankovic? No. You never saw that, but that movie's a classic. It's so ridiculous. So they had a bunch of skits in there, and they he did a, a Conan the Barbarian skit, but it was like um, it was Conan the Librarian. And I just remembered as the funniest scene, like, because it's it's like a guy who looks like Conan the Barbarian with like the big hatchet, and somebody goes up to him and he asks him where a certain book is, and then Conan the Librarian just turns and he says, 
don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? And then chops him in half with the axe. <laughs> so great. You can basically be that guy, like, don't you have a banquet ticket? No, oh, I thought I could just show up and then shoom before they're even done. You have, you have decapitated them or <laughs> whatever. That'd be so great. <laughs> so do you have my Cantonese lesson for the week? I do have your Cantonese lesson for the week. Uh, by the way, how did... Uh, how did what you learned last week fare for you? Did you did you use the fight law? I absolutely did. So I, I worked the other day. Um, we had a problem with the computer, and um, the, the, the gentleman who works on the computers, he, he's from Hong Kong. He's a great kid, and he came. And now he's used to me now saying um, "yamo gaucho." Uh huh. So, so, so he comes walking out, and I look at him like "yamo gaucho," like, and he's just like, I, and he's like, literally, said like, "fuck that shit, leave me alone," like you know. And, and, and for the audience who doesn't know Yamogacho, it's kind of like what the hell or what's going on or whatever, you know? So I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I, I literally text Alex. This is at like 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, <laughs> if you're up, double, you know, double check me on this. How do you say this again? That's so, right. Yeah, I remember. I got that text super. Lucky so I got after about, about 10 minutes into him fixing the computer, I, I look at him. I go, David. He goes, what? I said, Fadila. Like that. <laughs> It just means hurry the hell up. <laughs> and he turns around to me and he looks at me and he goes, never do that again. And so he turns around to one of the guys I work with. He said, he basically, without actually cursing, told me to hurry the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, Chinese is very uh, contextual. Also, it's contextual in the way you use it. Right. So if, if you say, like, like if you say it like that, you know you definitely. It, it I, I really try to get that stink face going and everything. Yes. I'm like fight it, ah. Yes, 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 yes. He he was cracking up about it. He's like he's like wherever you learning this shit, stop. He's like. <laughs> so um, actually, I thought what I would teach you tonight. It's not specifically a Wing Chun Kun Kun. No, but no, that's it's fine. A very, yeah. uh, it's a very famous Chinese saying. Actually, an average. Um, you know, person in Hong Kong would know this even if they didn't know any Kung Fu. Oh, cool, good. Cool. Um, and it, it, it has kind of a double meaning. For martial artists, it, it's got a meaning that kind of hits home. And for the average person, it kind of means something akin to beginner's luck, you know? So, okay. so and, and basically it says, um, like, a random punch from an ordinary man can kill an experienced Kung Fu master. So it's kind of like you say, like like if, if you know somebody, some new plays a game of of checker or chess with somebody who's really good, and they beat them the first time, and right. it's just beginner's luck. You know what I mean? Um, the same way an ordinary man could throw some wild, sure. untrained untrained punch and kill the aged kung fu master. Right, right, right. Now, from a martial arts perspective, I mean, we all know that this is true for people who train very traditional martial arts for a very long time. They might be so steep in certain routines and movements and methods that, you know, some random person who doesn't know anything throws an awkward punch and suddenly they get punched in the face, right? So we know that on a very, in a very literal way, the, the, the saying actually is totally legit that, you know, somebody with no training, you know, could totally throw a random crazy punch that could even stop somebody who's like, All right, yeah, sure. and this is also why, and not even just about Chinese Kung Fu, but there've also been issues um, with like, uh, I remember on German TV a long time ago, there was a, a female boxer, a professional boxer in Germany, and she was like amazing. And there was a talk show host who said, who, who was totally untrained, and he said that he could totally beat her in a, in a boxing fight, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and so they staged it 
Um, well, I mean, I mean, they actually had it live on the show that he was going to box like one round with a professional female boxer. And he was just like a normal German dude who just has a talk show in Germany, right? Right. Now, she was a lot smaller than him. And, of course, you know, she was able to move around. She was able to hit him. But he actually hit her a bunch of times. And it ended up not looking that great for her, even though she was a professional. I mean, she definitely right, won sure. She definitely won the round, but you can see that somebody with no training doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is easy to fight, you know. So that's kind of what the saying is, and then of course it means that uh, you know a a, a uh, kind of if if you beat the old kung fu master, you might have beginner's luck. So are you ready for it? I am much ready for this. Okay. So first I'll I'll, I'll say it all together, and then I'll give you the individual pieces. So it's okay. All right. So okay. um, the elements there, mang. Mang means like wild or crazy. Kun, as you know, yeah, kun, as you know, means fist. Mang kun. So, so it's literally mang kun means like a wild fist or a wild punch, because uh, you have to understand in Cantonese the term kun can literally mean fist, but it can also mean punch. It depends on right. the context, right? And then da say. Now we just talked about say a moment ago. Say meaning kill, right? Right. You know, da da means to hit, like right. da da da. da, say, da, da. Right? da so if you say da say, da means to kill with a hit. All right, mm -hmm. and then low low means old. Oh. All right, and then sifu like right. master. I've heard of that right? before. You've heard that before. So you say mang kun da say low sifu. Mang kun da say low sifu. Hey, not bad, not bad. Now. A little work on the tones. Uh, wild is man, like very low, like you're talking from your stomach. Man, man. And man. then kun, kun, like fist, is also a low level tone. It's kun, man. No, no, not, not kun. It's kun. A lot, like kind of falling softly on a, falling softly on a pillow. Kun, man, man, kun, kun, right? And man, then da, da is like rising, da. like like you hit da. All right, and then to die, say, say is also rising, so it's da say, right? And then old is low, like level tone. All right, old. and then sifu, which is a word that we all say a lot. Most Westerners don't pronounce it correctly. It's actually a high level tone, and then a mid level tone. So it's sifu, sifu. Right? And and some people even say the fu character with a rising tone. So some people go high level, high rising. So they go. Sifu, because you don't want to say like Sifu, right? Because Sifu doesn't make any sense. If you say Si, Si means like time, but Si means teacher. So you go Sifu. So it, yeah, so the tone oh, okay. is very important because if you say it in the wrong tone, it makes, I mean, when you say it in English, you say, oh, Sifu Mike, Sifu right, Bill. Right, 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 right. But you say it to a Chinese and you say Sifu, like Sifu, like that, they, they don't know what the hell you're saying. It has to be Sifu. Right, nice, sifu, okay. Right, so, so the whole thing. Wow. And then now if you say that to your IT guy, he will like, you, you, hey, you know what would be totally awesome is that if your IT guy is there trying to fix something. And he gets and then, it right. No, no, no. And, and he, he can't get, and like you go up there and you hit the reset button and you fix it. And then you say to him, <laughs> Well, no, I'll just wait for him to fix it. That's and then say, ah, because, my, my. because when you when you fix it, it's like you are the beginner and you have just outshone the master because yeah, you're right. the IT guy, right? <laughs> so you say, 
长拳打死老师傅 ，sorry 啦 ，sorry， and then you walk away <laughs> like that was totally. You know what's funny? Uh, initially, this was to teach you Wing Chun phrases, but it turns out this is just stuff to say to your IT guy to piss him off. <laughs> awesome. And you know, quite frankly, if you work in New York City, it's to piss off any IT person because we all work. They all come from Hong Kong. So, <laughs> so that's right. That's right. Te text me this phonetically so I can put it in my notes. Oh, we'll do. We'll do. I'll make a screenshot from my uh, flashcards. I'll send it to you. No, text it to me. The phonetic part, not the Chinese characters. The phonetic it has, part. It has the phonetic part in there, buddy. Take it easy. Oh, Give oh, oh. Dude, I, you dude. know what? At your banquet, don't make me kick the shit out of you in front of your dude, fucking students. Dude, I'm telling you, you think, now. Do you think I'm going to send you Chinese characters and be like, hey, there <laughs> it is. Good luck with that, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might do that just to piss you off. But no, no, no. You will have the phonetics there. Don't worry about it. Oh, good, good, good. Because I'll put that right in my notes. Great. Awesome, Come awesome, awesome. Oh, well, there hey, you man. go. Well, hey, man, that was a lot of fun today. Uh, just want to remind everybody to like us on Facebook if you haven't done so already. Follow us on Twitter, Dudes of Kung Fu. We had a, we had a little bit of action on Twitter uh, uh, this week. A bunch of people were saying they yes. really want to hear a, like a Dudes of Kung Fu Cantonese podcast. So it was very funny. Like Normally, most of our action tends to be on Facebook, but like Twitter was like really picking up this week. Like A bunch of people were on there. So if you're on Twitter, we got Dudes of Kung Fu on Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter, Sequel uh, Electricker, a.k.a. Kung Fu Genius. Uh, we're also on uh, Facebook. I'm on Facebook too. See for Alex Richter, my public page. Please go ahead and follow that. And as always, uh, when the podcast comes out, share it, like it, let other people know about it, and uh, write reviews for us on iTunes and Android to get the word out there. We'd much appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to it. We got one more episode for this season. And, and then, you and forgot to mention one thing there, buddy. What did I forget to mention? We have a t shirt shop now. Oh, that's right. We do have a t-shirt shop now where you can get all sorts of sexy dudes of Kung Fu merchandise. But not just t-shirts, also like cups and things like that. Too, right, right, exactly right. So it's, it's dudesofkungfu.spreadshirt.com. Nice. Dude, dudes of Kung Fu. I'm going to put a link. I'll, I'll post a link again to our Facebook page. But it's dudesofkungfu.spreadshirt.com. And um, by next by next season, we'll, Alex and I will be wearing them. Because uh, I'm, I'm ordering mine today, actually. <laughs> Beautiful, and awesome. um, and 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 you know what? They they have, they have tons of sales on all all the time. They have site sales, twenty percent off, ten percent off, you know. So uh, check it out. Order some stuff, and uh, show you one of the dudes, man. Awesome, 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 man. And uh, again, if you guys want to come to the banquet on uh, June twenty fourth from six to ten in Chinatown, uh, go ahead and uh, go to wt-athletics.com. That's the online shop for City Wing Chun. Buy a banquet ticket there. And uh, we'd love to see you. you can meet the dudes. And then if you bring some of those shirts that you got at dudesofkungfu.spreadshirt.com, we will sign them for you if you bring sure. a big enough marker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right folks. Guys. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye.